You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yes, and welcome back to Talking Nicks. I'm Tom Piccolo coming at you with another midweek episode. We uh we didn't get around to doing one of these last week, so so we're back, and we got a lot to talk about. So let I got a special guest for us today. So let's let's get into it. Let's talk Knicks. All right, like I said, we got a special guest here. He uh he's been out of out of commission the last couple weeks. He's a he's a regular on the pod. He's he's our normal host, Jake Storielli. Jake, how's it going? Just my my wolf cry for all the all the Jake snakes out there. That's what my Twitter following calls them. Snakes don't really howl. That's not snakes true. Snakes don't really make that sound. That yeah no I I don't know. I was trying to push a fake name. I went Jake's jesters for a little bit. Maybe I'll start pushing that again. I think that's fun. Um, but yeah, man, Tom, I'm uh I'm excited to be back and talk Knicks, which I know is normally a hot button topic on this show if we are or not. Um. And I'm excited to see you, my my good friend, before the holidays. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to talk Knicks, holidays, Mike Miller. You you were getting in the Twitter action this week, Hambone. Yeah. You're like a Twitter celeb I, now. I'm doing my best, just trying to keep up with you guys. Um, and and it, is, it is addictive, right? It's kind of a, kind of a fun game. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> start getting those followers up, start getting all the likes. Oh, there's the, uh, the dopamine rush, the endorphins. I, I can see why people get addicted to this stuff yeah i get my dopamine rush another way but yeah man you you clarence Gaines and mitch rob mixing it up on the interwebs huh yeah yeah i, I didn't mean to to instigate the old gang to instigate anything but yeah the, the whole crew now uh we got our, our own little side chat <laughs> so so yeah we got we got a thing brewing so that's pretty cool um yeah yeah man so you, you brought up the holidays you have any plans for the holidays you going anywhere Dude, I'm chilling. Um, I, I think I made the family a little mad. We did did the girlfriend's family thing for Thanksgiving, and that was a whole road trip with the dog. Um, and I'm moving back east, so I get to hide behind that a little bit. Like, hey, yeah, it's not happening, but I'm I'm moving back there soon. So, um, I don't know. I think we might make a little uh, friends friends miss out here. The past couple Xmases. Um, We've actually just made kind of a big lasagna, been sick and ate it. So we're, I, I'm partially interested in that tradition, but also partially not. Um, but yeah, man, chin, chin, chillin'. What about you? Well, I mean, that, that does sound like a good compromise uh, for your family. They, they, they probably get a little tired of the whole, th- the whole thing. You're, you're a lot. Yeah. You're a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. No, come on. Uh, good to be back. <laughs> Um, so I am going to go visit my folks in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, just outside Philadelphia. Um, nice. but yeah, it'll just be my wife, Rose, my dog, Colby and me, both of my brothers will be, uh, spending Christmas with their significant others. So, wow. So a smaller crew than normal, but that'll be good to spend some, some time with the folks. Popping, popping bottles of vino or what? I'm sure. I'm sure they're already stocking up on beer and, and wine and, and all that, you know, they're retired now. So they're just, they're living the life. They're Amen. truly having a, having a blast. So I am, I'm jealous. Um, but you know, we don't have to put a, put off talking about the Knicks for that long this time. Usually I'd be happy to just talk about anything else, but things aren't so bad right now. Things are like, they're, they're kind of good. It's crazy, Tom, that this is this is a dream opportunity for us to talk Knicks. The fact that they are what three and one in their last four. I mean, we'll we'll take that to the bank. Um, and they're playing competitive basketball, and I I think I'm I'm excited for this conversation because I actually I am a Mike Miller stan as of now, but I also think I'm about to walk over myself a good amount in a couple of the statements I'm about to make. But I, all, 
all we asked this year, Tom, was to kind of see competitive basketball. Yes. And, and I mean, w- we got away from that in what, week two with Fizdale? So to see the guys competing, to be in, you know, what, five out of six of these games under Coach Miller, I mean, that's that's kind of all we've been looking forward to as Knicks fans. And it, it really is exciting, which, again, is that kind of – uh, that Nick Stockholm syndrome that we have going on, that we shouldn't be this excited, but I am. I mean, it, it did get dark there for a little bit, though. It got to the point where I, I actually was dreading watching these games, being like, oh, I got to yeah. gotta watch these and maybe write something. And it was it was really something that kind of weighed on me throughout the day, but now I'm looking forward to them. It's actually fun to watch, which after a while, you kind of forget that basketball can be fun to watch. Like, it, there's a reason why we all like this sport so much. It's it's so much fun when when things are going well and the, there's a tempo to the game and and the you know the guys seem to like each other. They're playing with chemistry. So, I mean, we will get into some some post Mike Miller stats here coming up. We'll play a little factor fiction, you know, factor Fizdale, something like that. I don't know what we'll call it. Ooh. Um, Factor Fizdale, that's tough. Um, <laughs> and yeah, my 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 closing comment on where where the Knicks were a couple weeks ago to where we were now. I mean, this is a dated reference at this point, but it's it's something I quote an odd amount. Um, it's from the old mean tweet segment from, from Kimmel. Yeah. They used to be so big. Uh, the Knicks turned into the is the Mark Ruffalo one. Is you turned on the game and you go, really, Mark Ruffalo? That's the face you're going with. <laughs> God, this movie's going to suck. And that's what turning it on a Knicks game was. It was like you were just waiting for that first quarter, the other team to go on a 10-0 run and someone to clank one off the backboard and just be like, here we go again. And now we've we've got a little excitement, so I'm, I'm here for it. When you first brought up Mean Tweets, I was like, I'm not going to get this reference. Like, how obscure is this going to be? But I remember that one, and that's that's a good <laughs> – that's a great call. That's that's a clap. I mean, Mean Tweets got a little hokey after a while, and people were digging deep. But that one, like that one, cuts, man. <laughs> really, that one cuts. Um, but before we get to this, uh, this Mike Miller stuff, there is a bit of news that that broke this afternoon that we should probably talk about, and uh, and that's that David Blatt, formerly the the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, famous for being let go after LeBron kind of pushed him out. Um, but also famous for like winning a ton of basketball games overseas. He's been hired by the New York Knicks front office to be a basketball operations consultant. He has retired from coaching, um, and he, he's had some health issues kind of uh, contributing to that decision. But, Jake, w- did you have a, like an initial take here? What did you, what did you first think about this, this David Blatt news? Nothing too hot takey. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything to dislike. I think the one thing we were worried about disliking was if David Blatt was going to be interested in this coaching job and not necessarily in a that would be the worst thing in the world. But like we're saying, o- over six games, we've got a little excited about Mike Miller. And, you know, it, it just almost seemed for a second it was going to be this Knicks thing like, hey, Mike Miller's doing some fun stuff. Let's bring in David Blatt to make him nervous. And uh, it's uh, Blatt, I, I think he officially announced he's retired from coaching um, as he takes this position. And, yeah, it's kind of what I told you, and I, I know in our Knicks chat, Big Big Baby David echoed it a little bit, but he he was brought in as the Cleveland Cavaliers coach as this like super well-respected international basketball guy that was going to bring some fun dynamic stuff uh you know to the NBA and then with one fell swoop the LeBron James effects change everything on that. So I don't know I I'm leaning towards indifferent if anything I'll I'll put it on the plus side that you know there there are a lot of people around basketball that say really nice things about this dude. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, my kind of initial just sort of knee-jerk reaction was my, my stomach actually dropped a little bit. I, I thought I thought this was some bad news, and I, and I thought it was bad news because of the relationship that, um, that Steve Mills and David Blatt had. They, I, I believe they played, was it they played together in college? I think um, Kenny Poon had sent us a text about it, and I'd seen it somewhere online, but they have an existing relationship and kind of what what my thought process was was like if if mills is bringing in new people 
then all that talk we heard about, you know, the front office potentially being on the hot seat for all the, you know, questionable decisions they've made over the years, maybe he's not on the hot seat. If he's being empowered to bring on new people, if he's making promises right. to people like Blatt that, like, he's offering him jobs, like a full-time job. He, he left his yeah. job overseas to come here to be a, a Knicks basketball consultant. So, you know, we don't know what the, the consultant role really entails. We don't know how involved he's really going to be. But I'm just telling you, like, my initial reaction was, this is bad because it just means that, that Mills – specifically Steve Mills is is probably going to have a job for longer or like you know that that Dolan won't have put as much pressure as maybe he should on Mills to improve his performance um but I don't know that that initial reaction is really founded on anything if it's just bottom line is you want smart basketball people you want smart basketball minds in the organization um and so it probably is a limited downside I will say one other thing though is like Blatt in his press conferences when he was the Cavs coach, he just he did rub me the wrong way. He kind of came across like, and maybe this was justified, but a lot of the media would kind of refer to him as a rookie head coach, kind of insinuating like what they meant was a rookie in the NBA. He'd never coached NBA before, but Blatt was always just like very prickly about that notion, like super defensive about his past experience and and never kind of acknowledged that there is a difference in coaching NBA teams. Um, I, I think I remember he, he did something weird, like compare being an NBA coach to being a fighter pilot in the military or something. He just, there were a few instances where I just remembered him being like, ah, that's not what you want your coach to say. So he's, he's not our coach. He's not going to be media facing. So, you know, that w- sort of weakness will be um, taken off his plate, but I don't know. That was just kind of my my couple hesitations when I first heard the news. No, you're you're right with that that connect the dot there to our front office and the fact that our front office is hiring guys. There is a little bit of a, a fear factor there almost. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just remember some of the plays he was running for Maccabi Tel Aviv in 2013-2014 when they won the Euro League, and that's um, you know the the stuff you draw up when you're at home. Um, but no, I, I don't know. For me, it seems, I guess I've got to, again, the, the two things that jump out is we don't know the level of significance. Like if he's there adding any value, cool. Um, for me, it's going to be tough for him to be taking away value. I, I'm hesitant saying that as a Knicks fan. Um, and uh, like you said, I, I throw out a lot of the LeBron stuff. Um, he expected to go into a much different situation than he ended up in. Um, and like they lost in the NBA finals. So it, 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 I mean, that is what it is for me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Hey, bring, bring something to us, Blatty. Uh, Oh, the other thing that I like is the fact that it's kind of, it's not a generic popular decision. (laughs) Like, like you were saying the last taste that we got of David Blatt, I mean, is LeBron James, one of the most powerful people in basketball essentially getting him fired for Ty Lue, who, I don't know, I think I'm Team David Blatt over <laughs> Ty Lue still, looking at their resumes. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's significant. Maybe, uh, you know, with a lot of experience in, in the Euro League, maybe he can connect some dots for Frank for us or something like that. Maybe that's a bit of a reach. But, sure, come come on down, David Blatt. Yeah, I'm, I'm with all that. And... Uh... I think that's enough on on Blatt for now. We'll see how that plays out as we go. But we can we can get into this next segment, um, which I, I kind of just made up Factor Fizdale on the spot, but I, I don't even know if those make sense as two options. But basically, the gist of this is I'm gonna be I'm gonna throw out some stati- some statistics um, that uh, like based on the Knicks' performance since Mike Miller has taken over. And Jake, I, I kind of want you to just to get your gut reaction. Do you think that that these stats are sustainable? Do you think that they're just like purely small sample size stuff? Or do you think it's actually indicative of, of what the coach is doing and how he's gotten this team to play? Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people have have argued that the Knicks uh, improved play is more a factor of just like, this is what naturally happens when a coach gets fired. It's a mix up. Like there's, I, I don't know, there's, there's something about like, the team kind of thinking like no one believes in us or they just rally together 
in the locker room. And, and we've seen it before where, where teams improve immediately after a new coach is brought on. So, yeah, my, my question is basically, is this stuff going to last or is it just a kind of a fluke or an anomaly based on, on schedule and stuff? Um, can can I use my, my ESPN what to watch for please. voice for Factor Fizdale? Factor Fizdale. It's not great, but it it's happened. okay. Is it, is it, it could be like a sponsored segment too. We need to start getting that in the mix. Down, 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 down. So, I mean, just at a, at a high level, Miller's coached six games. Knicks are three and three, and they are at about a uh, an even net rating. They're at minus point six points per hundred possessions in in Miller's six games. In the twenty two games before. Miller came on in in Fisdale's 22 games the Knicks were their net rating was minus 10.9 so they're getting outscored by almost 11 points per 100 possessions and that number is almost nearly even and the the biggest difference there by far they're they're only a little bit better on defense it's almost entirely on the offensive side they are they're just in the six games since Miller took over the Knicks have the 15th ranked offense in the league so their league average scoring about 111 points per 100 possessions. Before, under Fisdale, they were dead last. They were 30th. So that's a jump of 15 spots. Jake, do you think that like their offense has actually improved this much under Miller? Um, God, I feel like Factor Fisdale, both answers apply here. Um, and again, that's the tricky part of this segment. Um, I'm going to say there's some reality to it. Tom, you you know I I stumbled into this late last year, and then I feel like I I tried to talk myself out. The one reason we hired David Fisdale as a head coach was to bring in premier free agent talent. He's never been known as an X's and O's guy. His most famous quote is "Take that for data." <laughs> um, in a time when analytics are prevalent throughout all the major sports. Um, so there is a good chance that uh, the Knicks offense can take a leap, and that's why I kind of fell for Mike Miller. Again, it's this little, I don't know if it's anarchist or whatever you call it, but I don't want to, the next Knicks coach, I don't want to be the sexy hire. Bring in someone like Mike Miller who won uh, the G League Coach of the Year, and he's got, you know, he's he's got a nice little resume and history of coaching himself. So I I, I don't think we're necessarily a middle-of-the-pack offensive team. I, I think, you know, when you play Atlanta and you put up a 143 burger, I think that skews the stats a little bit. Yeah, that and helps. A double overtime game with, and a double overtime game with Golden State. But um, I, I think I do expect better things, and it's it's somewhere between middle-of-the-pack middle and I, I guess it's where – I almost want to do a clean sheet and be like our our expectations going into this season, you know, that kind of that 30-win threshold we were eyeing that we should be competitive, but we're still going to lose a decent amount. Um, I, I still think there's a chance chance for that, at least on offense. Yeah, I, I could I could see that. And, and you're totally right about the, the numbers being skewed after that Hawks game because that was just an utter blowout. Like, I don't know that we've seen – a worse defense like at the NBA level in some time. That was crazy. Um, but it, it was, it was fun to watch at least. Um, yeah. And that's, I, uh, our, our, our dude, Bill Simmons has been kind of killing Trey young. I think mostly cause he's a, just a massive Doncic guy. And I get that. Um, but I mean, that team is awful. <laughs> um, that, that Hawks team is, is really bad, especially when, when John Collins has been out and things like that. But, um, and and Tom, I I don't know if I if I want to segue us out or uh, another thing that I'm I'm gonna give myself a pat on the back, and you can either factor Fizdale me if you want to. I'd love to. Um, a, a dude that's been that's been playing pretty good ball for the Knicks during this stretch is my guy Alfred Payton. Um, and he was out for a chunk of the season. I'm interested to see your thoughts because the stats are are numbers I really like to see from a point guard. Yeah, Jake, and that's kind of where I wanted to go a little bit too was some of the noise you'll hear online is that like, oh, if Fisdale just had healthy Alfred Payton, then he would be the coach of this team. And it's it's not 
something I agree with at all. I, I, I really think that there's been like a, a material change in the offense and the way it looks and the way they're moving the ball. Um, but Alfred Payton has been a huge part of that. Like he, he's been a very legitimate starting point guard and he's been a lot better than I even expected. So I, I don't know if like, does he deserve to be starting does uh, would that be eating into Frank's minutes? Um, should Dennis Smith Jr. still be getting time? Like, is it possible to, to be playing all three? Um, these these are all questions we'll, we'll have to tackle eventually and kind of like monitor as the season goes on. But like, Alfred Payton just flat out knows how to play point guard. He knows how to get guys into position. He knows where when and where to find them. He's just he's a good pick and roll point guard. He also pushes the pace a huge amount. Like the the Knicks pace when Alfred Payton is on the floor is so much higher than when Frank is running the point. And, and like, that's, that's huge. You've got a lot of athletes on this team, guys who, who thrive in transition. Like Julius Randall does so much better in transition than he does against set defenses when they're all just packing the paint waiting, waiting for him. Um, and that's, that's a huge thing that, that Payton brings to the table. So I've been thrilled with it. And I, and I totally see, um, I mean, like people making the argument that that that's been the bigger bump is like a healthy Peyton versus you know Mike Miller's installing an offense or something, and it's probably a little of column A, a little of column B, but either way, it's just like a perfect marriage, right? It's like Miller is is he knows how to get the most out of someone like Peyton, and Peyton's making the most of it. Yeah, and and for me, it's kind of what I said coming into the season, and you you just said it like the guy is an NBA level point guard. Um, and I, I went through the history class of our recent point guards, and I mean, it, it it's terrifying, to be completely honest. But I mean, in this most recent four-game stretch over, over the last seven days, 11.3 points, four rebounds, seven assists, uh, with 7.3 assists to 1.3 turnovers. And again, like, <laughs> go on basketball reference. Click through the Knicks' previous point guards. You're not going to see a lot of uh, seven, seven to one assist to turnover ratios. So, um, at, you know, he, he doesn't really stretch the court too much, but he can push it. He can get guys in position and you're right. And this is a little walk over yourself moment, but do I think Peyton being out for a lot of Fizdale stuff mattered? No. Um, I, I really don't. And, uh, you know, the Knicks, I, I think they're four and seven in games, Alfred Payton play this year which again it kind of <laughs> digs into that weird Knicks desperation but I think four and seven Knicks is kind of what we expected coming into this year not like four and 20 Knicks um so I I do like that at, about Alfred and you're right it does start this odd chain of connect the dots like Julius Randle has been playing a little more efficient is that Miller is that having you know a, someone like Payton out there instead of Dotson or whoever it may be I I don't I don't know it's tough right now to say where that line is drawn yeah and, and Jake did you see I think it was Ian Bagley at SNY put together like the all decade team for the Knicks did you see that I oh I I, I remember that circling the internet because it was a big all decade week team um I'm trying to think who they have at the point guard was it Felton it was Felton yeah yeah I I mean and, no, and it wasn't I, a controversial I, decision either. It, it's like oh yeah, it no, was felt. dude. I I remember digging through the stats. Maybe I'll find the tweet, but it it was Raymond Felton had one re, a true nice year as a Nick. I think he was like seventeen points and eight assists or something like that. I I forget what year. Um, since that season, I mean, it has been a black hole of nothing, and that's why I got so excited about Alfred Payton coming into this year because there's been there was like an argument to make he was our best point guard in like seven years or something. Um, so again, I and that's that's a lot of Knicks and a lot of a lot of other things moving around, but uh, yeah, I I it's a stabilizing force. The guy knows how to play point guard at the NBA level. Um, you know, when even digging back, what last year we were happy when Jarrett Jack had a few good games. Like, it's uh, uh refreshing's not the word, but <laughs> normal basketball. Yeah, and you do deserve credit for it because before the season you were super high on Alfred Payton, and I think the rest of us were just kind of more meh on him, just a, just more reserved. We were like, I, I mean. 
I, I remember him playing in Orlando with his crazy hair, kind of getting getting in his eyes, and like that's what he was most famous for was like his jump shot was yeah. like literally blocking, like his hair is blocking his field of vision, and so he shot worse with this hair, and that's like. I don't know. It was kind of funny, but he was just sort of a, a joke. And then I didn't really follow him so much in New Orleans. But, I mean, he's worked himself into a, a very solid player. And I know um, he was not a good free throw shooter. He's still not a great shooter, but he was not a good free throw shooter at all his first few years in the league. And he's worked himself into being like a competent one. And I think that's kind of a model. Hopefully he can sort of teach that to like R.J. Barrett or any number of our Knicks players who who can't seem to hit free throws. But – um no in general like you were you were totally right on on Peyton so far so so kudos on that um and and kind of related is uh and, and you touched on this you touched on Peyton's assist to turnover ratio this is another one that's like a, a huge difference because so first of all just like looking at the offense it feels like there's more ball movement it, it just it seems like there's less isolation less post ups there there still are isos and post-ups and, and sometimes they're like out of timeouts like the, Mike Miller still does value those sorts of plays um, but just watching these games it feels like it's happening less frequently and so I looked at the at the assist numbers and for the most part like the percentage of, of plays that where they where they actually get assists like the, their percentage of made field goals that are assisted is, is pretty close to the same it's a little higher now but not that noticeable but the big difference was in assist to turnover ratio which is what you mentioned on Peyton. So under Fisdale, the Knicks were 29th in the league in assist to turnover. Under Mike Miller, these last six games, they're top 10. They're number nine. And I'm wondering, do you think that's going to hold? Hmm. I I think it'll hold to I, – I got to get stronger takes going, but uh, how about yes? Uh, I'll say it will hold. I mean, I not to a top 10 level, but – uh, I think of the thing. Think of the dynamics in play here. We just we just did our Elf and Alfred Payton spiel. Who, again, whoever's minutes you're giving Alfred Payton from whoever was playing, um, his assist to turnover no- numbers are going to be a lot better than theirs. Um, and then I mean the other thing that I feel like was skewing the numbers, and maybe this is unfair, maybe it's not, but it was Julius Randle. Uh, the guy was a walking turnover for a month and a half, and. You know, he feels like he's getting a little more settled in. Um, and, you know, it, it's this whole dynamic. We, we've we got Mike Miller's system, which uh, we we have to believe he's a better coach than Fizdale at this point, at, at least X's and O's wise. Um, and it's, it's how does it all connect? How does Alfred Payton played with Julius Randle? You know, that's that was another thing in my, my little bucket with those guys. Like, maybe there's a little bit of chemistry there. Like, it's, it, it sucks that in Knicksland we rarely get to talk about that stuff because um, we're normally harping on some negative things. But I don't know. If you do a little basic math there, if you can, if you can upgrade your coach, you can upgrade uh, a person on the court who has a great assist-to-turnover ratio, and you could stop the guy who's turning over the ball the most, that's a pretty good recipe to, to increase your assist-to-turnover percentage. Yeah, I, and, and that first of all, that was a tough stat for you to have like a really hard take on, so, so that's, that's not on you. Um, I can find it. <laughs> but I, so I, I think I'm with you, like, and for a couple reasons. I, I do think that like Frank is being used a little better too, like, I, I, for some reason, I just think that Miller is is putting in lineups that that makes sense. If the lineups ne- haven't necessarily changed as much as we'd like them to, like I just wrote a whole article about how I want to see Julius Randle at center more. He has not played like I, I wrote in the article last year during his career year. He played seventy percent of his minutes at center. Granted, a fair number of those were with Anthony Davis, so like he's sort of a rim protector. So, so right. I guess that kind of is, is a loophole. But he also played – he played the majority of his minutes without Anthony Davis, and he still played 70% of his time at center. And he, Randall had a career year. This year he's playing 8% of his minutes at center. That's a bummer. But Miller hasn't really changed that at all. He hasn't really played Randall at center too much. Um, instead, what he's doing is he's kind of like playing these similar lineups, but he's he's just – having the guys stand in different places on the court, like in different formations so that like, they're just, 
there's more room to operate. Like he's he's put Mitchell Robinson in the dunker spot, you know, or he's just like very strict about where guys should be on the court. It seems like to me, um, and it's just really helped the offense sort of sort of spread out. So to me, like Frank Nilakina has just looked more competent, um, and and other like primary ball handlers, like they just they seem to be playing more freely, more loosely, and like that chemistry that you mentioned. So. To me, that assist-to-turnover ratio is is hopefully going to stay the way it, it, it has been under Miller. And, like, you look at the guys who are, who are just throwing the ball away the most. Julius Randle was the primary culprit. He was the one, even though he wasn't, like, um, necessarily the primary ball handler uh, so much, he was still turning the ball over at a really high clip. That number's gone down. It's hopefully going to continue to go down under Miller, where there's more, there's more room, more space for him to operate. So, that's the hope, and uh, and I'm with you. I think that's going to to hold a little bit. the The next thing I want to talk about is Mitchell Robinson, and under Fisdale, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but Mitchell Robinson couldn't stay on the court. He just he yeah. his foul percentage was through the roof. It was even higher than last year, and through the last six games Mitchell Robinson has not been in foul trouble at all it's it's pretty remarkable actually um so do you think that's more of a function of like Mitchell something clicking for Mitchell Robinson do you think this is a a coaching related shift or or is it somewhere in between for this, I guess I'm gonna still be skeptical, and I'll. I guess if it's Factor Fizdale, I'll go Fizdale. Uh, again, we still don't know what those answers really mean, but <laughs> I don't know. I in 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 a in a six game sample size, or I'm I'm the stats I'm looking at are the four game sample size. I I still can't lock into that. I I can't buy into that. Um, you know, has has the defense changed so much that we're we're protecting Mitchell Robinson? Um, maybe again, it could, it, if we end up this season and the Knicks are playing decent basketball, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first guy screaming from the rooftops. Like we, we hired a player recruiter and we got no players and that was a giant mistake. Um, uh, but for fouls and Mitchell Robinson, I mean, I, I'm not going to fully buy in yet. Um, it, it just seems like, you know, I, and for me, I guess I've never been so shook uh, by the fouls, because like it's still year two, um, and I want this guy still finding the limits of what he can block, and there's still gonna be nights that he ends up, you know, finding himself in a couple bad situations. Um, his dunk the other night was awesome, and that that was just a cool moment, just for the to realize like he's a different dude, man. He's what seven seven one. He can dribble a little bit, and he's like just athletic. Um, it's it's not a big. It's not just like this. Uh, I not that there's bumbling big guys in the league too much anymore. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna be a little skeptical of the foul trouble stuff just because the other ninety eight percent of the sample size has shown me that he's <laughs> he's gonna foul a little bit. Yeah, and that play you're talking about is the one where he actually got the steal up around half court, right? He like intercepted a pass. Yep. And he he dribbled like two or three times. I mean, he didn't have to dribble very much because he's just his strides are so long and he's so long and can jump so so far. But like that was the I would imagine that was like the most he's ever dribbled before making a field goal. Um, I like that stat. I I don't remember him ever doing it before and. Because so many of his field goals are off lobs. Um, like, even just think about his rolls to the rim. Like, it's usually, if if even one dribble, he'll do, like, one dribble. He'll turn over a shoulder and, and make a move. But, like, for the most part, they're lobs. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I tweeted out some clips last week of him just doing, like, little development developmental things. He, he caught a pass at, at the top of the key um, from one side of the court. And this is going to sound super simple, but he just kept the ball over his head. He turned to the opposite corner, and he threw a perfect pass. It was either to Marcus Morris or Bobby Portis. Hit him right in the hands. And the guy, like, I think he missed the three. But um, but Mitchell Robinson doesn't usually do that. Like, the passes Mitchell Robinson throws right. are dribble handoffs. Like, he 
almost always has someone come get the ball from him and he gives him a little handoff like 90% of the time. So the fact that like he rolled on a pick and roll, caught, looked opposite and hit the guy in a, with a perfect pocket pass is like, I, it's never happened before. Flat out. I've watched like almost every play of this guy, every game this guy's played. He's never done that before. So that's the stuff you're looking for. And you want to continue seeing him make those little plays. Um, and that was, yeah. And for, for, for me, I mean, you know, Mitchell Robinson, I'm looking at his stats on the year now. Uh, his minutes are up two minutes per game. His field goal percentage is down, but he's taking one and a half more shots. And I, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, but I think he's leading the league in field goal percentage. Um, might 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 have to check that one. He's getting to the line one more time. The free throw percentage is up. Um, the rebounds uh, are up slightly, and the points are up uh, three points in two minutes. So that's. I mean that's something, and yeah, it's a, we we have Mitchell Robinson is still this weird mix of, I I mean, and it's part of what got you into your your center argument on Twitter the other day with Clarence Game and Mitch Mitch Rob is that, I mean, end of the day, like best case this season is Mitchell Robinson playing twenty five twenty six minutes a night. Um, and you know, it's figuring out those other minutes at center, which is, you know, can you mix Julius Randall in there? Where's Taj Gibson? How, uh, Bobby Portis, how do you want to play that? Um, but yeah, I mean, still the goal for this year is to get to Mitchell Robinson to about 25, 26 minutes a night. Um, and that's kind of what he, over these last four games, he's doing 27 minutes, 13 points, nine and a half rebounds, um, and I mean that's that's still a win for Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, and and I I think I'd even like to see him up towards that like twenty eight twenty nine range if possible. And and the, okay. and the only way for him to do that is to to limit those fouls, which he has been doing. Right. And I'm actually gonna go the other way with, uh, on what you said. And actually, you kind of mentioned the reason for it is is Miller's defensive scheme. So you remember like. Fizdale had this team switching everything, just like switching yeah. all the time or sometimes just like trapping the ball in this super aggressive defense. You remember they'd be flying all over the court. Guys would be like, yeah, Mitch Robinson would be 30 feet away from the basket, just like blitzing the ball handler, sprinting at him. And it was just like a super difficult play for, for someone of anyone's size, let alone if you're like seven one and still like figuring out how to play. Um, Bottom line is, like, Miller's pick-and-roll defense is super conservative, like almost too conservative, but Miller um, has the bigs, like Mitchell Robinson, hang way back and and kind of like and, – and the person guarding the ball handler chases him around over the top of the screen and tries to, like, funnel them towards Mitchell Robinson, um, which is the perfect scheme when you have someone of Mitchell Robinson's ability. And so all he kind of has to do is be a shot blocker and, and sort of, like, play vertical. Uh so I, I do think that this is sustainable, and it is such a relief to see, because I don't know if you heard me in some of those earlier podcasts this season, but I was losing a little faith in Mitch Robb's ability. I know you said it's only his second year, but he wasn't showing like any signs of, of like learning or development, and I'm realizing right. now it was more a function of the situations he was being put in, the defensive schemes he was being put in, and... Uh, I don't know. I was feeling like a little bleak about Mitch Rob earlier this season, and now I'm like, this is great. The the sky's the limit for this guy. So it's it's really swung. Maybe that's why like the biggest swing I've made since since Miller took over. Yeah, I'll I'll keep more of an eye out for it because I know I did when I was rewatching the Hawks game. I mean, you see it on every Trey Young uh, pick and roll is that Frank or someone is chasing him and they're trying to lead him into whoever the big is. So. Yeah, I mean it's and and that's the part where um I think it's going to be fun doing this now after a 6 game sample size and seeing where we are in uh you know a month at the end of the season because yeah, I I you know, the NBA is such a player-driven league at the top end like obviously LeBron and AD join up in in LA and yep, they look pretty good. But I we we overlook it in football. We talk about the hot offensive coordinator and what team he goes to. Um, you know, in in baseball now it's you know the new pitching coach and and things like that. Basketball, I mean, what what you just said was beautiful, and it's it it can it can change our whole outlook on Mitch Rob. 
And Tom, I I might segue us in uh, Factor Fizdale, the you know the the game where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Um, I, I have one one concern so far because um, I've been a big Mike Miller guy um, blindly at first, still partially blindly right now, but just give me good basketball games I can watch. Um, I think the only thing that worries me is, uh, like, and okay, let, let me do some good check boxes and I'll, I'll let you pick up where, where you'd like, but okay, Julius Randle's been playing a little more solid. We've seen that coming. Marcus Morris is still just getting buckets at a crazy clip. <laughs> um, I feel like at this whole next season, we've, we've been a little ignorant to that fact. Um, but Tom, some of the young guys, and again, I the stats I brought up mostly for this app are are in the four game sample. I mean, Frank doesn't have too too much in these four games. Kevin Knox doesn't have too too much in these four games. Um, and again, like with Mitchell Robinson, well, and R.J. Barrett, who R.J. Barrett still got a sixteen six. Um, the assist numbers are down a little bit, but he he's been getting buckets. But I'm a little worried with the young guys and just, um. You know, I they are still the goal of this season. The goal of this season outside of our Greg Poon was not to win an NBA title. It was to get these young guys better, and that's what the focus should be. And I just don't want to be, you know, sneaking up on the trade deadline and saying, yeah, you know, the Knicks, the Knicks have almost been playing 500 basketball for a month now, or two months, but... Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina aren't doing much. So that's that's my current concern, and I don't know if that's fact or fizz or 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 what's going through your head. Yeah, I, I totally get that that concern actually. And I, I have seen some of that on Nick's Twitter, people being like, You don't want to be winning games with your veterans. Like you don't want to be doing it at the expense of your young guys because you know, some your Marcus Morris's and your Alfred Payton's likely won't be here long term. So if they're the ones securing you these wins, then that's a waste, right? Um, it's it's not helpful. But I I actually kind of subscribe to the other theory where it's like you need these competent basketball players to be able to put your young guys in positions to be able to play competitive basketball, right? Like if you're only running out guys who are struggling, these young players, your Kevin Knox's. If you're only running them out, then you're playing mostly garbage time. And it's like no one really grows in garbage time. So, I don't know. Frank, I know you mentioned like we hadn't seen much. And there was like a five-game stretch there where he wasn't doing anything. But then at Denver, like he he had one of his best games of the season. He looked, he looked yeah. great. I know he had those 13 points, um, five boards, four assists. But he also, I mean, it was those four steals that looked so good. He was just so active on defense. And uh, – yeah, he hit a couple threes. So, I mean, that game really stuck out to me where he kind of popped a little. And as long as you're seeing stuff like that, you'd like to see it more consistently for sure. But that game ended up being more competitive than it initially looked like. So, um, right. And that's what you and, want. And, and that, that, that one does count a little more. You are right. Because, I mean, that's at the Denver Nuggets. That's a really good basketball team in the West with a good home court. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's like one of those dream Frank box scores for the season, 13, five, four and four. Yes. Um, I, I mean, that's a beautiful thing, but yeah. And it, he comes out in the Hawks game. He bangs that first three of the game. He only takes one other shot and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, again, it, we were saying it in a, you know, kind of a positive thing for the players when it came to Fizdale and Mitch Robb and Fizdale's effect on the guys this almost seems like the opposite for me where it's like, you know, when I'm seeing Frank Nilakina only get two shots up, that again feels like a Frank thing and not a Mike Miller thing. There's some of that. And it's also like the, the Hawks game was just such an anomaly, like being such a blowout for, for all of that game. Like, I don't know if I, if I take so much from that one in particular, some of the other ones did worry me though, right? Like the Kings, the Kings win where Frank just didn't show up. Um, the, the Warriors win where, again, Frank was like pretty much non-existent. He had those four turnovers and just looked like he didn't belong anywhere near the court. Those are concerning for sure. And I, I think 
I don't know. Like Frank's, he's still a project. Like he, it's going to be an ongoing thing. And and to be fair, like what are we comparing him to? It's not like Frank was setting the world on fire under Fizz either, right? Like right. he had good games, he had bad games, and I'm I'm expecting that trend to continue uh, until hopefully the good games start to outnumber the bad games or the non-existent, you know, the the no shows. But I. Yeah, like I'm not trying to just look at at Coach Miller through these like rose-colored glasses where everything is just going well. But I don't know, Frank. Frank in particular doesn't worry me as much because I know what he can what he can bring on the other end. Kevin Knox, yeah, there's there's some worrisome stuff there. Like Kevin Knox still like he's still negative in the box score. Like every time you look at his game logs, night after night, even in games they win. Like I mean, wasn't he? Like still a negative plus minus in this Hawks game that they won by like tw- yeah he 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 was a minus one <laughs> I mean how how is that even possible like it's kind of crazy but yeah him 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 Taj and Alfred um were the only negatives and yeah I mean he in in that game he gets seventeen points three steals a block so it's it's more than we saw in the previous ones but uh, again like I'm almost I I mean Frank's game against Denver has so much more value to me than the Nuggets game where the Knicks are up thirty, you know, well, yeah, in, yeah. in in the third quarter. Right, yeah. You're saying the Knox against the the Hawks here is is I'm I'm with you. Yeah. Like you you want to see them show up in these competitive games. So so kinda of going back to your original point, that's that's why I think it's okay to to ride some of these guys because it's I mean, Barrett's still getting big minutes. He's still being relied on for, for major for big big time crunch time plays. Um and these other guys, I mean, let's face it, guys like Frank, like Knox, even at their very best, are likely going to be like role players, like hopefully very good role players, right? Like they'll they'll right. fill a need, but at the same time, it, it's not like you're really going to expect someone like Knox or Frank, even in their prime, to be like taking the big time shots down the stretch. You need them to be a cog in a machine that works um, on a winning team. So I'm okay with with some of these more veteran guys uh, leading to more competitive basketball because it's just it's, – it's, it gets into good habits, right? Like losing just becomes a culture. It becomes an identity. And, like, you you don't want guys like, like Frank and Knox who are kind of tentative personalities to begin with to sort of, like, become okay and become complacent with losing. And I and I guess it's also where, where we started this podcast, the excitement of – having watchable basketball games like let's get this train back on any track um the whole season felt derailed and that's fine and I mean we're we're still going to be high up in the lottery and you know if this Mike Miller thing goes good for a couple weeks and then there's a trade and the team starts playing terrible again and you know we we miss we miss some lottery balls because we had a couple good weeks I mean it kind of is what it is but just just to get this season back on any track and the guys can feel what winning is and uh and see that yeah i i'm i'm with you that i do feel the importance of that and for now and maybe the next couple weeks i'm i'm going to believe in that but you know if if i'm turning on the end of a basketball game and it's alfred payton marcus morris julius randall um god i don't Tosh. know dame dot Portis, whoever it is, and you know, it, again, that's that's the thing that gets tricky for me. And you know, we at at the same time, like Barrett's been out there. Barrett's been playing. <laughs> Barrett played forty six minutes against Golden State in the double OT game. Um, so yeah, it it's nothing to get mad at, but it's it's just something in this small sample size that I I thought was was pretty important. Yeah, no, it's definitely worth monitoring going forward, and and I'm with that, and like going back to the ping pong balls thing with, with the new lottery odds and everything. I just look, we had the worst record in the league last year. We got the third overall pick. Like that sort of thing is going to happen a lot now with these, with these more flattened out odds. So like I, I have such a hard time pointing to a couple wins as like the reason that we dropped down to a certain pick. And I, I don't know, I don't like playing that game. It, it, there's like bad karma associated with that too. Like you, you play the game to win. Like, 
I mean, just that you have to be a competitive person to be in the NBA. You can't be okay with, with losing. Like, you, you have to be a competitive person to be at any level in the NBA, like coaching or a GM. Like you're at the premiere of your, of your position in your industry. Like you're going to be trying to win games. So uh, yeah, the, the whole tanking thing just doesn't really sit right with me. And um, that's kind of a controversial take. And it's, we don't have enough time to talk about that. So I, I think, I think uh, for as far as fact or Fizdale goes, We'll probably want to play this again a little later as as we get a, a larger sample size. But um, yeah, I, I think I think we're good. Um, I think we're good to. Yeah, you've you've got you've got my brain spinning on not NBA jobs you can get while being non-competitive. Um, I mean, like not the training staff. You got to be pretty competitive there. I think I, I don't know. I guess like scorekeeper could you stumble into a scorekeeping job without being that competitive that's a possibility but like i don't know I, it's just the, the, i think it's a tough job it's a high level it's a tough job to get it's like a, no matter what i think i mean yeah. the mascots I, I knew i knew the d1 mascot in undergrad the guy was competitive um kenny poon his, his uh his roommate was the the mascot at villanova super competitive yeah <laughs> damn makes you think i guess <laughs> um <laughs> all right that that's a lot of knicks talk uh the, the knicks next game isn't until they've actually got back to back in miami on friday at home on saturday against the bucks those are two tough ones those are two very good teams so we're gonna see yeah. this this knicks team get put to the test we're gonna see mike miller and uh, you know, like whether they can actually be competitive against these very good teams, the Bucks in particular, who just um, helped kind of fire Fizdale in a way the last time they played him, played the Bucks. So uh, a couple things to watch out for. But Jake, this was fun. Um, next time I'll, I'll come come to bat with like some sexier stats, though. Um, you better not. Right. But uh, if you're listening to this, thank you. Uh, make sure you subscribe you leave a review you give us five stars you do all the stuff we we keep asking every week we we need this Mm. people we need this um follow us on twitter at talking nicks you probably already follow jake because everyone follows jake on twitter you can also follow me at tom underscore piccolo um i'll be sending out gifts and videos during games and stuff and all that but Again, uh, follow us on Instagram, all the channels, do all that. And, uh, and thanks again for listening. Until next time, let's go Knicks. Stay.